I'm Bill. And I'm T-Dog. And this is Two, two Films, Two, two Curious, Kids. where the two of us watch two movies and, and also we're, we're curious. curious about them. We are. Uh, this time we watched uh, The Wall and Bohemian Rhapsody, and we're going to talk about fame. Pink Floyd's The Wall. Pink Floyd's The Wall, excuse me, is the full name Not Donald of Trump's The Wall. No. This is getting political. <laughs> All film is political. Everything's political. Everything is political. We're going to talk about Nazis in this, so... Yeah. And they're bad. Yes. So you know where we fall on that argument. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about fame predominantly, though. Yes, and how it affects the uh, kind of the main characters in these two movies. Yes. How we react to fame, or at least how they react to fame. How we might react to fame. If we become famous. Fame. From this. That's the song Fame by David Bowie. I'm a great singer. I don't know if you knew that. David Bowie me. did music with Queen. He did. That's it. We went full circle already. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure you continue ever. to listen to our podcast, and uh, we love you. No, uh, JK. So anyways, uh, can you tell us about fame? I can. I have the etymology for fame. Ooh. Back, back to doing etymologies again. It's harder to do etymologies for things like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that, that was so, kind of self-explanatory. Right. I could have done Dungeons and Dragons. Right. What's the etymology? Of it? No. That's not important. What's the etymology of fame? Uh, fame comes from the old French fame, imagine that, which means, and it's funny because for the definition it also has the word fame, it means fame, <laughs> reputation, renown, or rumor. That comes from the Latin fama, which is talk, rumor, renown, good reputation, but also means ill fame, scandal, and reproach. So it kind of handles fame, like famous and infamous, in the same word, fama. I can and dig it. The goddess fama was the personification of rumor. Roman mythology. Interesting. So, that's what that's how you get famous, right? People right. talking about you. Right. Usually, those are rumors. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's that's the definition of fame. Um, we're gonna now summarize these movies. I do you want to, who goes first? I can't remember who goes first. Does um, it matter? I can go first. Or you just did fame. Sure. Go ahead. All right. So, Pink Floyd's The Wall is a complex movie. I don't think there's a single part of that movie that doesn't have some sort of imagery. I don't know how to digest the movie. Um, but it's also, it jumps slowly. around a lot slowly. Yeah. I've never digested anything slowly. It's always <laughs> been very fast. One half of Two Films Too Curious has stomach issues. Uh, anyways. Well, I, I have my own different stomach That's issues. That's true. Like, Fame. If I were famous, I would probably feel sick all the time because I would be so nervous. True. Which we'll talk about when we get to the question part. So uh, I'm going to go through the wall sort of oddly enough, track by track, because it's a rock opera. That's, I guess, where we should start. The wall, Pink Floyd's The Wall is a rock opera that they made into a movie, and it follows the album straight through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the um, album did come first. The album did come first, yes. So the plot of The Wall is that there is a person, his name is Pink Floyd, and he is the uh, lead singer of a band and... Uh, as a kid, like his dad dies in in the war, and he feels sad about that, but he also doesn't know his dad, and his mom gets very distant and starts to ignore him, and his teachers at school are not great, and what little attention he has from adults in his early childhood is negative attention, either yeah. no attention or negative attention. Yeah. Um, these are all things that contribute to him building up sort of an emotional wall between himself and the rest of the world, which is where the name The Wall comes from. Wow. There Little on go. the nose. The only on the nose part of the whole movie. Right. <laughs> um, as he grows up, uh, he falls in love with a girl that he used to creep on through the bedroom window. Which is a little sinister. I didn't pink. make. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, that's the same. That's the same neighbor. Girl. Yeah. Or, yeah. And he falls in love with her, and they get married, and then he starts becoming a popular musician. I'm summarizing this a lot better than I thought I was going to. I'm just throwing that out there. He falls in love with her, and he become. They get married, and he becomes a good musician, and he starts touring. Mm-hmm. And as he's touring, because of the fact that he's feeling distant from just people in general because he shuts himself off and that touring makes him like geographically distant from Mm -hmm. his wife Mm -hmm. his wife starts uh finds a starts a friendship and then a romance with another man 
Well, and to be fair, even when he was at home, he was certainly not doing anything. Right. Very he was just like pretty much laying in bed watching TV. Right. And she's like, hey, let's do something. He's Anything. like, let's he's not. Like, I'll just watch TV. Thanks. The football is on. And it's not even the good kind of football. It's soccer. It's European football. Right. What even is that? Um, so he tries to call home because he's freaking out. And a man answers the phone. And that's not helpful. It wasn't him. No, he wasn't at home. And so he has a mental breakdown and scares a groupie. And goes into a like a frenzy, like a drug frenzy, and just trashes his hotel room. And then reorganizes and it then in reor- weird shapes. A weird, just a weird design on the floor. Kind of cool, nice art. Certainly art, yeah, yeah. I would say. Uh, but then uh, he freaks out and he's all almost catatonic in a chair and his like the manager of his band and some other band people break down the door and like try and revive him they give him like they give they give him they Anti-drugs. give him anti drugs right right <laughs> probably steroids or yeah, something that's like that <laughs> clearly us worldly people here at two films too curious are 1000% aware of what you do when you're in a, a stupor um they and they they take him to the concert and on the way, apparently there's some thought that this is imagined. But on well, the first, way, he gets oatmeal hands. Right, he gets oatmeal hands. His hands get very soupy, but that's he, probably he looks imagined, like he's so. like melting. Yeah, it's very nasty. Yeah. Um, and he made a mess in that limo. It's I just bet. bad. It's bad. Um, and he gets to the concert and he has he has become a fascist leader. And at the concert, he's he like, lead? right, he certainly does. At the concert, he's like, Pink isn't here, it's me now. And he leads all of his thousands and millions and billions fans and jillions of fans. Slash followers now. Right. In, in this sort of fascist nonsense. And then he comes out of it, and he's in an insane asylum, and a judge that's a giant butthole... Uh, and his him, chin is testicles. Right. Because it's from the back. From the back, yeah. Puts him on trial for being distant. And, and shithead. Right. They, he, sentence him, he sentences him to be exposed before his peers, he says in the song. And they tear down the wall. And then there are kids there. And they're picking up pieces of presumably wall. Right. And then he makes another rock band named Pink Floyd, and they make a movie slash album called Pink the Wall. Floyd's The Wall. <laughs> it's very weird. Anyways, like I think that it sounds. I mean, that's that's kind of how that's how it was. Like it's all sort of intercut, like they do flashbacks yeah. and jump forwards and stuff. But that's basically the movie. It really is. Do you have anything that I forgot? Succinct. Is there anything that I need to add? I don't add? think so. That in fact, you may watch the movie. And then not know what happened until you listen to what Will or Bill just said again. Yeah. Sometimes I may mistakenly call him Will. Right. That's my other name. Um, my name is William William Charles Mike Sell. Just because, and Bill. especially if you were to like walk away from this film at any time and come back, you'd be very confused. Very confused. Even Make if sure you just watch it all, you might sitting. be confused. Right. As I usually am. Yeah. As I am every time I watch it. Right. <laughs> they don't call it two films, two we know it. Right. They don't call it two films, two the wall. No. It's kind of cool sounding. <laughs> I think this is getting away from us. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm contributing. How, what is Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody? Rhapsody. Um, well, there's someone named Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, starts a band called <laughs> The Wall. <laughs> Uh, Farouk, who goes by Freddie, Bolsara, uh, meets drummer Roger Taylor and guitarist Brian May, and he learns that their singer just quit, so he's like, hey, check it out, let me be in your band. They kind of laugh him off, but then he sings, and they're like, oh shit, yeah, no, you can be in our band. So, the concerts, his initial concerts, they're very kind of unconventional. Uh, Freddie has a very unique personality and stage presence. But it does help the band gain a lot of recognition pretty quickly. After they record their first album, Queen signs a contract with EMI. Farouk has his name legally changed to Freddie Mercury, as I'm sure we all know now. 
and becomes engaged to Mary Austin, who's kind of like his teenager, not high school sweetheart, but like his, his first love. Um, eventually, Freddie begins an affair with the with Paul Prenter, who is the band's day-to-day manager. Mary breaks up with Freddie after he tells her that he's bisexual because she's like, no, Freddie, you're gay. We all know it. Um, they were, but they do remain close friends. Tensions reach ahead with the whole band regarding Paul's influence on Freddie, and ultimately Queen disbands. Um, <laughs> after Freddie reveals that he has taken a contract to work solo, so they all kind of take that pretty badly because um, he just turned their kind of turned his back on all of them. Although he is arguably the most famous person from the band, he's not anything without the rest of the band. Right. Although he did make some good songs on his own too, <laughs> so maybe not. Eh. Um, he. As his life kind of spirals out of control, uh, very similar to Pink's life, uh, he starts doing a lot of drugs, starts drinking a lot of alcohol, um, he get, begins getting kind of noticeably sick. There are little cuts and little scenes where he coughs and there's blood, a little bit of blood on his hands, and you just can tell that he's he's there's not, blood on his hands. he's unwell. He's caught red-handed. Red-handed. Uh, eventually he discovers that Paul's kind of been withholding information from him, uh, kind of keeping him out of contact with Mary, who, like I said, he's still friends with, and not telling him about Live Aid, which is a concert uh, to combat famine in Africa. Not a concert for famine in Africa. They're against it. Right. Against, vehemently, violently <laughs> against famine in Africa. So Freddie cuts all ties with Paul. The band kind of reconciles, and they're given a spot in the lineup of Live Aid. Freddie gets tested, and he reveals to the band that he does have HIV slash AIDS. Uh, but then... The day of the concert, Freddie reconnects with his family, and then Queen performs and just kills it. Just decimates And it. you can, while we'll talk about how Live Aid is not available in its entirety <clears throat> anywhere, you can find Queen's whole performance on YouTube. Yes. I recommend it. Yes. <clears throat> I'm very cross about that. And that's the life of Freddie Mercury. As told by... Embellished by Hollywood. Very embellished. <laughs> A good movie. But maybe not... Historically accurate. Really, a lot of it isn't. But that's okay. It's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. So, I think that, I think that, that yeah, that's, that's Bohemian Rhapsody and Pink Floyd's The Wall. I think that mm-hmm. um, Bohemian Rhapsody is a little bit more easily digestible. Yes, certainly more uh, accessible to the layman. Right. As I think that sometimes we are. Yeah. That sounds right. I don't want to pretend like we're some sort of movie experts or nothing. <laughs> we're really not. We're really not. We like movies. Incidentally, I did use the fact that I have a movie podcast as a reason why my opinion should matter. But it's not so a you... reason. <laughs> At all. Anyways. You've become the very thing he swore to destroy. I have. <laughs> uh... But also, no, I just, I have. That's true. (laughs) And I think that I'm going to do some real soul searching about that. Anyways, similarities and differences. Similarities and differences. Um, My first one I have is that, it's kind of a narrative similarity, is that both Freddie and Pink, as they become famous, lean into drugs and alcohol. Um, Ultimately, Freddie's support group, which are his bandmates and Mary kind of pull him through this and he ends up on the other side of it kind of understanding himself better and also maybe his negative tendencies whereas Pink just kind of spirals until he hits the bottom at which point he can kind of move around yes he doesn't kick back up he doesn't make it all the way back up to the top no he just hangs out at the bottom he's just like but he's like can't get any lower now I'm in the I'm in the loony bin (laughs) Uh, but he's safe there he is Oh, well, he this can't is... go any further. Yes. Safe. <laughs> he, I guess a, an interesting aesthetic difference is that there are parts of the wall that are animated. Yes. I don't know. Like, how much would you say? Maybe a fourth of the movie? I would say a fourth or less. Yeah, it's... They stand out because, of course, they're animated compared to live action. Right. But they're not... There's not a ton of it. In. No. There's like three or four sequences. Yeah. And I'm not actually sure how much of that... There are many There are many things at play in the wall. 
there are many ideas being talked about. Abandonment, fame, uh, how to treat a person, I don't know. We could pair this with a lot of other movies and have a lot of different themes. We really could. Um, And I'm not sure how much the animated parts specifically are relevant to fame. Um, Empty Spaces is very... Which is one of the songs. Yeah. Which is actually only in the film. It's like a so cut out, a, shortened version. A much, much shorter version in the in the album than it they is in the movie. Cut out all the parts about fame. Right. For that version. <laughs> but in the movie, yeah, it talks about what are you going to do? How are you going to fill this hole? Like, right. I guess we, he's talking about the other bricks on the wall to complete the wall. Right. But it's the same, you know, driving fancy, fast new car or sleep with a bunch of women or do drugs right. or eat a lot or what what are you going to do get into fights get into fights fill the attic with cats rats cats cat rats fill the attic with hats <laughs> because as we all know one of the ways to cut yourself off from your support group is hats well, if you have enough they can't even see you well also just like I think that you can lose some friends depending on the hats you wear. They're all fedoras. Oh, no, pink, no. Pink would, pink would wear a fedora, I think. I know, that's the bad part. Um, I think uh, another difference, a more legitimate difference to discuss, I think, is the fact that, as you said, pink or Freddie Mercury has a support group that pulls him through, but Freddie Mercury also engages with his support group Yes. Which Pink does not. Yeah, because Freddie reaches a point where he wants to change. He, right. And ultimately, as I'm sure anyone who knows family members or friends that have addictions and things like that, is that ultimately the person has to want to change in order for it to actually stick. Right. Which Freddie did. Right. Pink didn't seem, while he hated his life, he didn't never seem to be like, but I can make it better. Right. It was always just like... This fucking sucks. It sucks, and I hate all of you. It yeah. sucks, and I'm better than you. How bad must you be? And you're like, oh, pink. Hun, dial it back. Yeah. So, do you have any other... Uh... Uh, my only other similarity is that uh, the role of, of the father, the father-son relationship, is mm-hmm. prominent in both films. It certainly plays more into the wall. It's just kind of in the background in... Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. in that Freddie does have a relationship with his father which is kind of tumultuous initially um, just because like I said he's so unconventional yeah um, unconventional is a good word because it's not just because there's, it's, there's, more it's than, not negative in any way no and it's more than it's, it's just a than, different kind of right. person it's more than than sexually unconventional or emotionally unconventional it's or it's aesthetically old. unconventional he's just a as a whole, yeah, that's like. Not only is it a beat of a different drummer, I think that he's not using a drum. Yeah, he's just singing the beats of the drum. Yeah. Hey yo. There we go. <laughs> um. But several of Pink's early traumas or bricks in his wall mm-hmm. are played against the backdrop that his father died in the war. So yeah, ultimately, that itself is a, it's a pretty sizable brick in the wall. But yeah. And also that affects. How his mother treats him, because she's just kind of distant the whole time he's a child. Right. Um, There's a really sad scene of him sort of putting on, as you do, his father's, like, army uniform. It's very big on him, because he's a small child. And this idea that, like, if this was any other, if this was a kid that had an alive parent, an alive father, not even necessarily an alive and caring or an alive and compassionate father... This would be something that he would be able to have a conversation with them about. Yeah. Theoretically. Or even if he had a present mother have a conversation with her about it. But he lacks both of those things. Um, That's, I guess, an interesting difference mm -hmm. that I didn't think about before. That maybe one of the substantial differences between Freddie Mercury as a person, at least in the movie, and Pink Floyd as a person, is that... Freddie Mercury's support group, as it stands throughout the movie, mm-hmm. is compassionate, theoretically, even at the beginning of his life. He yes. has a f- loving, caring family from the jump. Yeah, even if his father doesn't understand him, he still loves him. Right. And that's obvious. Right. He wishes that he had done different things, but he's there, 
He's aware and he's talking to Freddy. So is he's his there, mother. He's aware and he cares. Boom. His sister's there. And she's a werebear. She's a werebear. <laughs> Bringing it back to the D and D podcast. Uh, no, but his his Freddie Mercury's family is there and present in his life. His support system is has been there since his birth. Yep. Pink Floyd. While eventually potentially getting the start of a support system when he marries his wife, mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to handle positive attention. Which ultimately is why yeah, he, gets, he doesn't understand it. Right. That's why he gets angry at his fans part of the way through as well. I've got something about um where is it? In my notes about him not liking his fans. Uh he doesn't get he doesn't understand that they like him, that they want to interact with him in a positive way. He mm-hmm. says at the very beginning of the movie, if you want to find out what's behind these cold eyes, you'll just have to claw your way through this disguise. He's not willing to engage with them at the beginning. No. He, they, he wants them to come to him, and they're ready to, but <clears throat> when he finally detaches from reality, when he finally freaks out and becomes a fascist, he realizes that he doesn't know how to turn back into a regular person and so all of his music after that is an ironic attempt at communication he's trying yeah. he doesn't know how to engage in a positive meaningful way he doesn't and Freddie does and that's maybe another reason why Freddie has been off. there's a difference um, I don't know why I never thought about how they are both musicians and they both have fan interactions yeah is that Pink he said initially doesn't even understand how to interact with his fans and then later is almost kind of shits on him like oh you're all the same right I mean it has them all wear the same mask yeah like that. there's just a faceless wave of people right and in fact he in a very offensive fashion removes all of the people who are different from yeah. his audience to make it's, it even more homogenous right so as part of a sort of a white cishet fascist regime he removes from his audience all of the LGBTQIA members as well as all of the ethnic minorities because he wants sameness he forces sameness mm-hmm. whereas Freddie has the Ayo. Ayo. and like where the band specifically writes songs so the fans can interact with the right. music um it's a communication. It's a dance. Yeah. It is and fundamentally throws, everything that Pink doesn't do. He throws parties for... Uh, I forget how he describes people in the film, but it's just right. other Shake unconventional... The and t- see MC, everything that drops. Yeah. yeah. He, the other unconventional people that don't have... Maybe don't have a place anywhere else. Right. They say when, when, um, when Littlefinger, their manager, says... <laughs> what, is, like, what, makes, what makes Queen says, different? chaos is a ladder. Right. He says, yeah. <laughs> and Freddie's like... Well, then I'm going to climb this shit. No, he, uh, he says, what makes Queen different than all of the other bands? And, and Freddie Mercury is like, we're, we're four people who don't belong making music for all of the other misfits. He intentionally wants people who don't know where to fit in because he doesn't feel like he fits in. Yeah. And so he feels... So he makes his own Almost casino. beholden to the people that... Right. With blackjack and hookers, right? Actually, probably both. Of those he would things. actually probably yes make a casino full of blackjack and hookers. No, he um he feels almost beholden to the people that are misfits because he can he can sort of shelter them and they can help each other, but he doesn't musically. Yeah, and then also at lavish parties. Yes. Another similarity is that Bob Geldof is in both of them. He is Bob Geldof, uh, the musician and lead singer and blah 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 from Boomtown Rats um he's also from uh, something else was he from something else like also not like that you were wrong but also in addition to I feel like he was also part of something else oh probably um but he's the lead singer for Boomtown Rats and he uh he also was he plays Pink Floyd in The Wall and he also organized Live Aid which means that he is a character in Bohemian Rhapsody. So yeah, Bob Geldof is technically he is in, in both. both. That's not a very good similarity, though. That's just being silly. Well, I mean, it in the grand scheme of the definition of similarity, <laughs> it is a similarity. 
even if it's not doesn't relate to the theme necessarily. And I, if I'm anything, I'm but he's a famous pedantic. person. He is. So it does relate to the theme. Fame. It was cool that after he went through all those weird trips and became a fascist, eventually he put Live Aid together. That was really yeah, that's nice really right. Phenomenal. Um, he really turned his when, life around. When he was he a hit fascist, rock bottom. he probably would have said, "This is a concert for famine in Africa." Right. And that's not nice. Uh, I think another difference between Pink Floyd and Freddie Mercury, and I was almost about to say this the other time, and then I realized that I could say it a second, like I can make it a separate difference and um, pad our time. But yes, <laughs> for those for you probably wouldn't know, uh, we recorded this before, and it we lost half of it. Right, we fucked and it right up. And not even like the first half or the second half, but no, like. No, no. Random 40-second intervals. Hot nonsense is what it was. We should have listened to what it sounded like just if we cut those out. It would oh. be like... like it was, the words it would, would just change. <laughs> um, anyways, it's I think the B-side that... remix. Uh, Freddie Mercury knows how to apologize and Pink doesn't. Yeah, definitely. Which I think exists at the core of their ability or inability to turn themselves around. So not only is it important to note that Pink does not have a strong support system at the beginning of his life, and Freddie does... Once they both realize they've done something wrong, Pink doubles down and gets angry, and Freddie yeah. apologizes and says, what can I do to fix this? Yes. Um, I have that, well, The Wall is an album movie. Like, it is, there's very little spoken word throughout yeah. the whole film. Somebody yells um, stop? Well, Pink yells stop. And yeah. his teacher makes fun of his then poetry. Like a and I think that's 30 a 30-second thing, yeah, where with his teacher. Um, and it, the whole entire thing is fictional. There's yeah. that Bohemian Rhapsody, which is more of a biography. Like I said, embellished, of course, in many ways, about Freddie and Queen, and technically non-fictional. Yeah. At least the, the, the base is non-fictional. Yeah. Although, I guess you can make the argument, and... Well, I mean, I guess you can make the argument, that the wall is at the very least allegorical, because it stems from... Roger Waters and David Gilmour and how they were dealing with the idea that like all of these people he felt that most of Pink Floyd fans or at least a portion of Pink Floyd fans were fake fans and that's why he was saying that's why they did the bit about the fascism which like alright oh. pull the other one I guess kind of gatekeeping his own fans right which I think that if you want to be a famous wow. person that's what you should do <laughs> absolutely you should be like no don't come to my concerts you guys aren't real fans hey if you're listening to this, the fifth episode <laughs> of Two Films, Too Curious, and you haven't listened to the first four, you can just turn it right off. Please don't do that, actually. <laughs> it's hard to Go tell my sarcastic listen. face. They're, they're also okay. Do whatever you want, man. We're just glad you listened to our <laughs> shit. We're not going to become fascists, I swear. Fascists, I swear. Um, or we're going to say, I think I feel like I was going to interrupt you and do that. Oh, I mean... Also, and you, and you kind of talked about it earlier with how the wall jumps where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that the wall is not told chronologically. Um, right. A, a decent portion of it is. And it really, once it kind of finishes wobbling around, it does kind of stick on a track for moving into the future at a normal pace. Right. Um, but it, because it, like I said, it has so few spoken words, it is basically just the album. And it has the same kind of musical structure as an album or a play or a opera yeah it's a rock opera it has an o- a visual overture and kind of its own musical overture at yeah. the beginning because um, the first what the scene the movie starts off with the man loading his gun the soldier right yeah is that the first scene which is his dad right presumably presumably who knows um, I think that was something that you've you noted last like when we that, watched that it that it could have like, been oh, yeah. shit maybe it is his dad it would make sense, but yeah. also there are other there are also random people that aren't related to the film in it, like those kids at the end. So yeah, maybe it's not are. his dad. Who knows? Maybe it's his uncle. Could just be some guy. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's him. Oh my god! What? The whole thing. He was dying in a bunker. Wait a and second. He hallucinated the whole movie. The guy with the gun, Freddie fucking Mercury. Oh my god! Yeah, we solved this shit. When the Illuminati listens to this, they're gonna come for us. They are. Brian May is going to break down our door and be like, oh my god, it's Brian May, my dad loves you. And then he's going to just shoot us with rock music and we'll die. But we'll die happy. Yeah. I mean, on the list of ways to go, that's not near the bottom, to be damn sure. 
Uh, it also has an intermission, kind of in the middle of the film. Yeah. Or maybe two-thirds of the way through the film. Uh, where it almost, like, has a little, like, if you're just now tuning in, here's your catch-up of what's happened so far, <laughs> but in, like, 30 seconds. Right. Like, right before, right before Comfortably Numb, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right at the end of his breakdown. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, other than the opening scene, which is the morning of the Live Aid concert, Bohemian Rhapsody is pretty much chronological. Yeah. Or I guess is chronological to the film and not to real life, because you you'd said there's things out of order. Yes. As, yeah. How Queen actually developed and changed versus the film, but the film itself, in its own timeline, is chronological. Right. I think that so the scene in the wall when his band people come and help him not be strung out anymore so that he can give his performance. I think that those people are a large group of people that are like Paul from Queen, from Bohemian from Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Paul represents Freddy's bad fame. Major negative influence. Right. Yeah. Paul only wants to be a part of Freddy as long as Freddy can He's the most famous right. rock star in the world. He, yeah. He wants he wants Freddy on Paul wants Freddy on Paul's terms. And Pink Floyd's manager and stuff only care about Pink Floyd so much as they make him money. If and um, and by extension themselves money. Right, right. So when when Pink Floyd's manager and stuff break into the hotel room and see him all weird out on the couch or on the chair, their immediate first reaction is not, "Oh, let's get this man to a hospital. We should probably cancel the concert." It's, "How the hell are we going to pay for this hotel room? Quick, let him come too so we can play a concert." Yeah. So, that's something, I guess. My, kind of, the, my biggest difference that I noticed, that the one that I'm proud of, is that they have, Pink and Freddie, kind of have the opposite problem. They have the same problem, but for the opposite reasons. Okay. That Pink's initial struggle is interpersonal, and all his, because it's his relationships with his mom, with his dad, with his wife, with his fans that kind of create the malaise that he just wanders through through his pretty much his whole life. Ever, I mean, once he loses his childhood innocence, pretty much, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. Um, and his bricks affect his intrapersonal feelings and thoughts, and that's why he like loses his mind um, and becomes a fascist dictator. Freddie's initial struggle is intrapersonal because while he's being himself, he doesn't really know who he is yet. Yeah. Like I said, he gets married. He falls in love. There's no doubt that he did, loves Mary. Right. Did he marry? He marries Mary. Well, he 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 proposes to Mary. They never. Oh, you're right. They, they get, get engaged. Married. Yeah, he doesn't um, marry Mary. No, he just gets married. He didn't want to marry her anyway. He isn't getting married. Yes, he gets married. Apostrophe D. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, so you know that he doesn't really know everything about himself yet. Sure. Um, and that strains his interpersonal relationships with everyone else, with the band, with Mary. So I it's like, like it. an opposite thing going on there. I like it. I think similarly, um, as sort of a opposite sides of the same coin kind of thing. Yeah, that's the way. It's a good way to describe it. Both Pink and Freddie crave attention. Mm-hmm. Freddie craves attention from the people that he loves, from his family, and when he feels like he's not getting it, he'll get it from anywhere else. Pink Floyd. Craves attention from the people that he can't get it from and then gets mad when somebody else gives it to when him. When someone else comes in, yeah. Right. Who's so, not these people. Right. He still craves the attention and admiration of these people that ignored him. And when his wife is like, I'm right here, he's like, who cares? Yeah. Certainly not him. No. When Freddie, when Freddie's friends start getting married, that's when he starts hanging out with Paul more. And that, pfft, shouldn't have did that. Yeah. Paul's the worst. When I first watched the movie, like the first time, I'm like, I don't know if I like this Paul guy, and then my, like my my anger towards <laughs> Paul sort of moved in a in a linear fashion towards I don't think I like him to I pure straight hate this man, and then when I started it the second time when we watched it for the for the podcast, the I'm like, oh, know. this is a really nice movie, and then Paul shows up and immediately it skyrockets <laughs> like this fuck again. <laughs> I really don't like Paul. He just ready ruined Freddy's life, and now he's gonna do it again. Right, Jeepers Creepers. 
I don't know if I have any other similarities and differences. Do you have any other similarities and differences? Not, not that I wrote down. I highlighted all of these notes so that I could keep track, and then I realized I literally highlighted all of these notes, and that's super not helpful. Let's see. Uh, his attention is negative. Uh, isolated from people. Uh, yeah, Freddy. They both, they both have a different kind of isolation. Like, Pink's isolation is from any everyone, from like, like he literally locks himself in his hotel room. Yeah. Firstly, the group becomes in with him, and then he scares her away because uh, he just starts demolishing everything, and then he shaves off all his hair except for his on top of his head and slicks it back. Yeah. He has no eyebrows. Yeah. He the eyebrows. The nipple beard, hair. The nip, his, his nipples bleed into the sink. That's nasty bobasty. I feel like that would uh, hurt. And Freddy's isolation is, like, emotional. Like, physically, he's there. Right. He's hanging out with Paul. They're throwing all these crazy parties. Uh, but it's almost like he's... Freddy, the person, the soul, has checked out. Right. He's just watching from... Did we Have we talked room. about Jim yet? Who's Jim? His friend. We didn't talk about So Jim. when Freddy's throwing these lavish parties, there's a guy that he meets who at the time is sort of working as a waiter for the party. And he sort of he talks to Freddy, um, and he Freddy's like, I you know or Jim's like, What like where where'd all your friends go? And Freddy's like, Oh, you know, they left. And they have this this sort of connection where Freddy's like, Jim, you're a nice guy, and Jim's like, I think you are too. And I'd love to hang out with you when you realize you're a nice guy. Yeah, when you love yourself. When you love yourself, then we can be together. And so unlike... that, It's just indicative of his emotional isolation. He, he throws... He does all of this stuff to avoid... Having to think of... Reconciling his yeah. emotional... Discordance. I wouldn't That's even say word. turmoil. Because it's yeah. not... I mean... Because when you have Freddie Mercury levels of money... You can just—it's a non-stop party, right? If you don't want to have to think about something, right? You have every ability to not think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, whereas I'd run out of money and then I have to think about it, right? <laughs> and not only now do you have to think about your emotional stuff, you have to think about the fact that you ran out of money, which is even worse, right? <laughs> Who? Anyways, questions. How many questions do you have? Not a lot. So. Same, actually. You should ask a question first. Okay. How much of Pink Floyd's The Wall is Pink Floyd's fault? The man, not the band. The It is entirely the fault of the band. They wrote the thing. Yeah, they, they, they made it. How much of Pink Floyd... They raised it. The plot... to it. How much of Pink Floyd the character's life is Pink Floyd the character's fault? I want to say that it's half... But like fifty one percent, it's the majority of it's his fault, but only just barely. Correct. Next question. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Your answer choices are A fifty one percent, B fifty two percent, C blue, and D forty nine percent, sixty nine percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> That's improper. We are adults, and we don't laugh at juvenile things like the sex number or the weed number. What's the weed number? 420. <laughs> don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. We just said. Um, so, yeah, no, I, so think, I, I think, would agree. Yeah, he, he... Ultimately, he is the one that acts on the traumas that he had. Right, he was dealt a shit hand. But he was... He, he would have had to been an incredible person to go through that unscathed. Sure. And not... You know, he leaned really hard into the fascist Nazi. Right. But... If he had just been a dickhead, then I would have right. said it's yeah, not he his was, fault. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that the fact that there is no evidence that post school, post another brick in the wall part two, there's no evidence that he ever asked for help. Yeah. Is why it is fifty percent plus one or fifty one percent his fault. Yeah. You gotta ask for help. It's hard to do sometimes. Word. Anyways. <laughs> We're getting real in this one. We're getting real, real. I know what one of your questions is, and the last time we did this part, that we talked about maybe I drink a little bit. So we're going to get real, real. <laughs> but we don't have drinks we this time. We don't have drinks this time. 
So there's a, there's a cap on how real it can really get. Right. For real. Uh, my first question is, do you think you can handle being famous? And supplementarily, well, I, I thought I was going to stumble over that word. Are you going to start doing drugs when you, our podcast becomes super famous? As famous as Pink Floyd's The Wall. I think that if we become as famous as Pink Floyd's <laughs> The Wall for our podcast, whew, wow, that'd want, be neat. We can watch two films and do a record every day. Every day. Oh, man, that'd be a lot, though, actually. I think we'd still... I don't think... I can't think of any reason why we'd do more than one a week if we were able to quit our day jobs. I still think that... I think that one a week is still... Like, that's critical mass. Anyways. That's true. I think... I think... And I have zero frame of reference. I think that I could handle fame, but only because I have a support group, a support system like Freddie did in place that I feel like is very equipped to tell me to cut my shit out if I'm doing some shit. If, if you were to become a Nazi. Right. Or, I you would know, tell you to cut your shit out if you became a Nazi. I feel like, and I could be wrong, I feel like that is probably the least of my worries. I don't think I'm going to become a Nazi. I think if you, if you if you were had spiraled enough down to become a Nazi, maybe we're not going to be able to pull you back out. <laughs> Probably of not. That's going to be a that's a deep spiral. <laughs> I think that it's more likely that I'll indulge in vices. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that if if a negative path happens on our road to fame, that negative path will involve I don't know. Yukon Jack. Yeah. Alcohol or overspending. Yeah. Gluttony. (laughs) Probably not. eh, Maybe I don't know if I'm going to lean any more into sloth than I already do. Probably gluttony. This kind of goes hand... Gluttony and sloth go pretty hand in hand. They do. They do. At a certain point. Yeah. But, you know, I think that... I think that I would... I would hope that I could handle fame because I have people that will help keep me grounded. I would delete a lot of my Facebook, though. Yeah. Or set it to private, I guess. Yeah, just set it to private. There you go. Delete a lot of people on it. Yeah. People Some of you guys may it. not make the cut. <laughs> That's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. The seven other people that are listening right now. Right. We have 27 <laughs> subscribers. I'm just saying. Do we know them all on Facebook? Almost certainly, <laughs> but it's more than seven people. You're right. So, anyways. Um, do you think you could handle fame? Absolutely not. I've I value my time away from literally everyone too yeah. much to to be able to handle. Like I could handle being slightly famous, sure. Like, but if if I were ever famous to the point where people recognize me, like, well, it's T Dog from Two Films Too Curious. Yeah. Which would be weird because they'll just recognize my voice. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, well, unless you grow out your hair again and you start looking like our picture. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I don't, I couldn't, I wouldn't like that. No. I, I don't know that I would spiral out of control, but I would probably also just, I'd probably be a dickhead to people like, hey, can I get, I'll be like, fuck off. You'd be the, you'd be the, the Neil Pert of, of podcasts. When it comes to fame, you'd be the Rick Moranis of podcasts. You'd be the like, nah, nah, nah. You don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. I don't. I. I'm too. I don't want to say. Uh, fuck! I forgot the word. Are so you I can't say, even say it. Are you gonna say you can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend? <laughs> is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> Hashtag rush quote. Have we we should have a, a rush quote for each uh, podcast. Fuck yes. We have to go back and re-record the first four. That's all right. <laughs> if it means we can put rush in all of them, or just go back and like put in the background, like modern day warrior me and Brian. Just like just like sh- we gotta we gotta record it backwards. <laughs> We're gonna backmask our fucking podcasts. And when you listen backwards, it says like hail Satan, right, and all that cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I can handle being famous. Okay. That makes sense. Conveniently, I don't know if we've got... I don't, I think that we're probably doing all right. I don't think we're going to become famous. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? 
Maybe we this, might become that'll be the part that people quote back and be like, dumbass. Hey, <laughs> hey, how come in episode Remember five? In season one, episode five? Right, we're on our 18th live show, our 3400th episode overall, and we're sold out Madison did Square Garden. Anything? They're like, did, um, did excuse we... me, in episode five, when you said, I don't think we're going to become famous, um, did you mean that, was that a, did you mean that ironically? Are we going to do a 69 and 420 episode special? Ayas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, uh, if we're going to take this a little bit more seriously again. Um, does, do you think, do you think that Pink Floyd's The Wall feels honest? I feel like, do you feel like it that Pink Floyd's The Wall is actually saying that it's society's fault? Or do you think Pink Floyd's The Wall is saying that Pink thinks it's society's fault, but it's actually his fault? Do you think that the bricks of Pink Floyd's wall were placed there by society? Or do you think society was like, hey kid, you want some bricks? And Pink was like, that's what, oh, that's boy, what I think it was. I think they put all the bricks in front of him, and then he was like, I can make a wall though. Right. He should have built a bridge. Should have built a bridge. Got on over it. Out of, out of bricks. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that that's they like I said the fifty one forty nine percent thing. Yeah, like I feel like they they put all the bricks there, and they were, society was kind of shitty for doing that to them. Although it's not, it wasn't always a conscious choice by the people around them or anything. Yeah. Um. But. Okay. Like I can he, that he put the he put the wall together, and then tore it down. I mean, the judge. Ordered it torn down. Right. But really, scared, but the judge was up in his noggin the whole time. The judge was his butthole. Yeah. The whole time. He pooped down the wall. <laughs> the beginning of this version Ugh. of this podcast, the beginning of our second recording, was so much more tight. <laughs> it's really gotten away from us. <laughs> but this is our personal touch on it. It really is. Poop jokes... And weed jokes and 69 jokes. You made me laugh at 69. (laughs) Uh, Do you have another question? I do. And it's the same, it's a rehash of the same question I ask every time. I'm like, what's your favorite scene from the movie? But this is, what's your favorite song in each movie? Mine, I'll I'll answer first. Okay, because I'm still thinking about Pink Floyd's The Wall. Okay. So, my favorite song in Pink Floyd's The Wall is the movie version of Empty Spaces. Not only because. It's an aspect to find it, except for like on YouTube when it's a clip from the film. Right. I just really like it. Yeah. I think it sounds good. I like all the musical aspects. I like the lyrics all together. I think it's a really awesome song. I can if dig it. I were to pick from just the album, I would say Comfortably Numb. Comfortably Numb. I really numb like great. that song. Um, that's and that song is one of the standalone. Like that's a song that I feel like people that haven't even listened to the Wall or watched the Wall. Probably no comfortably numb. Yeah, like that got radio playtime. There's that YouTube haiku with the bird. Everyone knows. What's it? What com, com, comfortably burb? Is it comfortably, comfortably numb? numb? I think. Do yourself a favor. Pause this podcast right now. <laughs> I know that you're listening on a device with internet access. Pause this podcast. Go to YouTube and search comfortably numb, numb or comfortably burb. That is B I R B, not B A R D. And then watch that 15-second video and then come back. After you're done laughing, come back. Yeah. We'll wait. You can pause it. Okay, thank you for coming back. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, What's your favorite song from... It's a cheapo answer. No, it's not. There's no cheaper answer. Bohemian Rhapsody one. Because they play about 20 seconds of Under Pressure. Uh, That's my favorite Queen song. That's fine. I can live with that. And also, one of my favorite David Bowie songs. There you go. Which would, of course, be why it's your favorite song from the movie, even if they only play 20 seconds. Yes. I kind of wish they had... I understand why not, but that David Bowie had... Someone had played David Bowie in it. Yeah. I think it's easier for me to do... He's a very similar person to me as Freddie in that his unconventional... Yes. Nature. In fact, it, it actually kind of would defies explanation. Do, yeah, that'd be interesting to pick a David Bowie movie. We already did. Shit, we already did. He's in Last Invasion of Christ. He's, he's Pontius uh, Pilate. He's Pilate. Yeah, that's right. Last Invasion of Christ. Anyways, I think my favorite 
song from Bohemian Rhapsody is much easier for me to pick because although I really like all of Queen and I actually just this week finished listening to Queen's entire discography up until Freddie Mercury's last album straight through um and I did not know about the song Hammer to Fall until we watched the that's movie. A good song. And that's a great song. I'm not sure if it's my favorite Queen song or if it's just my favorite Queen song today. That was one of the live ones, right? Yeah, yeah. It was certainly one of my favorite songs from the movie. I really enjoyed that song a lot. And it's so hard for me to pick my favorite song from The Wall. I really like the whole album. It's not my favorite, it's not my favorite Pink Floyd album, but I really like the whole album. I think today... My favorite song from the movie, specifically the movie. Yeah, do do both. Is either Comfortably Numb or Vera slash Bring the Boys Back Home. Mm -hmm. Which are two sort of short bits that kind of mix together. They kind of bridge two songs. They do. I think that those are my favorite specifically from the movie. Mm -hmm. From the album... I think that Happy Stays of Our Lives and Another Brick in the Wall Part 2, which go together, yeah, gotta combine them. Are, is is up there for my favorite. And I think that Mother is one of my favorites from the album. But there's something about... I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't, I really like it doesn't grab me from the too. movie so much. Oh, yes. The Thin Ice is also a good one. The whole album is good. If you are a fan yeah. of that style of music, I, I like, highly recommend it. I feel like it has only improved by listening to it through. Yeah. Not just listening yeah. to a song. Yeah. Because like, it is cohesive like that. Right, so in theory, I guess my favorite song from The Wall is a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 way tie between In the Flesh, The Thin Ice, Another Brick in the Wall Part 1, Have Seasons of Our Lives, Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. I'm not going to do that. I think I've ruined this show already. But I think that it is a, it is a tie amongst all of them. Um, in that case, I guess my favorite Queen song. That's not in the movie, just from their albums. I'm not going to count Under Pressure since David Bowie's also part of it. Um, is another one bites the dust. I think my favorite Queen song not from the movie is the Flash Gordon theme. <laughs> is that a shitty answer? I don't know if it's a shitty answer. I really like that. Well, no, because it it's is silly, but I really album. like it. It is. I mean, yeah, it's like the only, one of the few albums my... I actually own. Like I have it on vinyl. That's one of my, my favorite uh, part of that movie. I think Flash Gordon. Yeah. It's That's not a great movie, you guys. There are some fun, weird parts of it, right? But for, our, for the most part, our our previous or our our long long time listeners may recall our discussion of Forty Night movies from two weeks ago's episode, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and I think that Flash Gordon is absolutely a Forty Night yeah, movie, and we didn't even watch it for that. No, we used to do. So the kind of I guess our iteration before this, before right. talking out into the the void of the internet, right, yelling movies, at anyone who will listen, was inviting people over and then yelling at them, right, as we watched <laughs> four films, yeah, usually that, four that were a little more on the nose with their similarities, yeah, than, uh, to the point where it's like Lord of the Rings, Star right. Wars, right, Harry Potter. We did what two Januarys ago, January of twenty eighteen. We did a Dino De Laurentiis marathon, mm-hmm. which was Conan the Barbarian, Flash Gordon, Dune, and what was the Halloween and Trick or Treat? Trick or Treat from nineteen eighties, not Trick or Treat, the horror movie yeah. with it the was, kid that wears a bag was on trick his head. Or right, not Trick or Treat, not apostrophe R. Right, uh, which <laughs> as as not great as Flash Gordon was, Trick or Treat was rough. Yeah, that was the movie that, was rough. It was good. That was the last one because yeah. if that was the first one, people would have left. If that was the first one, my parents would have been gone fast. As it stands, they left when my dad saw Sting in Dune because he really hates Sting in Dune. I was. Or did they show up early? They showed up late. No, because they watched Conan the Barbarian. That doesn't matter. They watched that Flash Gordon. Matter. They watched Flash Gordon. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think. Do I have any more questions? I know, I don't have any written down for Bohemian Rhapsody. And I can't remember if I have any other questions on Queen. I mean, on Pink Floyd. Oh, I guess we talked a little bit about it. Um, Do you think, is there there a price for fame? Or, I mean, we talked about all of the things that you wouldn't be willing to sacrifice if you became famous. Mm -hmm. Is that the price for fame? 
I think the price for fame is having to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. That ultimately the fame obviously affects you in some very positive ways. A lot of sure. money. Right. You're not worried about living paycheck to paycheck anymore. Right. And if uh, this for can people be that used, want all the attention, right. I say it, it gives validation. If that's an if that's a thing that we can say is a positive thing, which I think it is. What well, depends on the person. Right. Um. But then you do have to deal with all the negative aspects. That's the price of fame is that depending on the level of it, having not having privacy or having very reduced privacy right. to where they're like, you know, they're splashing up on news sites like, Tyler goes to Chick-fil-A. Why do you hate the LGBTQIA community, exactly. Tyler? See? That's, the, that's, that's just the way your life is at that point. Bill Mikesell eats vegan chicken. Yeah, that's going to be in the news. No man, I would never. I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never do that. <laughs> it's not about if you would eat it. It's about if you would in, enjoy it. No man, I ain't even gonna touch it. <laughs> Just, I mean, in the interest of transparency, I have in fact eaten vegan chicken, and it's really actually not that bad. It tastes like those dinosaur chicken nuggets. And who knows if those are even real chicken to begin with? They're actually dinosaur. That's why they're extinct. Yep, because I got real hungry. <laughs> boy okay here this is a thing that we literally didn't talk about at all until just now uh but i was thinking that it would not until literally just now now right right now right now (laughs) um i think it would not be a bad idea to say at at some point in the podcast what movies we watched recently in or out of the theaters just as sort of like a thing they're yeah, not related we, to the podcast. We, we, we are in theory. We, we need to buff pad four, time. four minutes. <laughs> right. We have finished talking about Pink Floyd's The Wall and Bohemian Rhapsody. Tyler, have you seen a movie or movies recently, either in or out of the theater, that you wanted to talk about? Well, I'll tell you what the most recent one I saw in either case was. Okay. Captain and then Marvel. The same thing. I saw on opening night. Okay. Um, that Thursday. I loved that movie. It was amazing. It was awesome. Yes. The It was... To say nothing to... Mm, Marvelous. Marvelous. To say nothing to how awesome uh, Brie Larson is and how awesome the character Captain Marvel is. Right. Special effects were amazing. The special effects were phenomenal. Samuel L. Jackson looked exactly like he did in the 90s. I yes. could not tell. And he didn't he turn like 60-something recently? Or I think maybe he turned 94. 94. Yeah. I can't believe he's 420 years old. Wow. <laughs> Um, but I loved that movie. And then, because it came out on Blu-ray yesterday, two days ago, mm-hmm. I picked it up yesterday. I watched Into the Spider-Verse. Which I have not seen yet. Which is a very, very good movie. That's what I've heard. The last movie I saw... I was going to say, I talked oh, about it, but that was on our secret episode. It was. Which we will probably release, I think, eventually. Point. Yeah. Our secret ta- test recording. Long-time listeners will remember that when we did Two Films, Three Curious, if you were on our Facebook page, you saw that we released... A list of questions that special guests the other Bill Mikesell answered. Mm-hmm. We have that as a podcast episode, and we may do. We may. We'll probably release it eventually. Yeah, but you know, not right away. Anyways, it's a Patreon reward. Yeah, if we ever have a Patreon. <laughs> uh, the last movie I saw in the theater was Captain Marvel, which was amazing. We didn't see it together. Though. No, we. One might even go as far as to say that Captain Marvel was. Marvelous, majestic, masterful. Um, although I think that the big takeaway, I th- the the thing that I thought was the best outside of the movie as a whole was, was oh music? boy, that soundtrack ah, yes. was so great. It was just it was it was Guardians of the Galaxy level of good, just for, for its time period, which yeah. would have been late eighties to mid nineties. Because you got things like you got heart, and then you've got all the way up to like no doubt and stuff like that. I've got I've had just a girl stuck in my head since I saw that movie. I've listened to just a girl like seven sev- times just today. I was about to have listened to it several times each day. Yeah, my whole office I think is getting very angry with the fact that all I've listened to is the Captain Marvel soundtrack, which is incidentally why I put together a playlist of the soundtrack of all the MCU movies. Anyways, I think the last movie that I saw out of the theater was Guardians of the Galaxy. Which is also really good, but I watched it in direct response to Captain Marvel. I think besides that... All four of our movies are superheroes. Right. Although, yeah, I guess that's... I mean, to be fair, two of them are the same movie, but... Right. That's that. That's, I have, it's been a minute since I've watched a movie, which is saying something, because I usually watch movies 
just all the time. Well, other than Guardians, you mean? Other than so Guardians. Say, that was last night, right? All right, so Guardians <laughs> was last night, and then there's like a pretty big gap. Battleship. What's the oh. movie? No, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, I watched like Scream, which I had never seen before, and it was amazing. And then I watched Cabin in the Woods, which I have seen before, and I really like it. Oh, see, now, I, I don't even like horror movies, but I love Cabin in the Woods. Same. We'll probably, I think that we we'll, should probably add in Cabin in the Woods at some point for something. Yeah, we'll find something to pair it with. Anyways, we've uh, we've killed enough time. We're at just over an hour. Uh, do you have any other comments? Um, just that it's highly possible the next time we ask, what's the last question you movie you saw in the movie and at home? My answer is going to be the exact same. Yeah. Or it's going to be an answer for the movies that are on the podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I just don't want... Sometimes I go a long span of time without watching any movies. Yeah. Same. I'll just rewatch TV shows and play video games. Yeah. And that I've already played. So I'll just re I do like to repeat those things. I don't know why I said same just then. Like when I when you said it's it sometimes goes a long time before you watch movies. I watch movies literally all the time. I don't know why I said same. <laughs> There's a really good chance that it will not be the same answer for me. Yeah. Anyways. But if it is, it's because you've looped through so many movies you're, you're back, back at... to the beginning. Right. <laughs> Anyways, um I don't really have any other comments. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, Keep watching movies. Don't be mad at bad movies. Keep being curious. About movies and other things. About movies and other things. Always good to keep an open mind basically all the time. Uh, And uh, yeah, have fun. And we love you. We love you. You specifically. You know who you are. You know who you are.